0: Okay, I'll start again. Good morning. No, we don't want to go down. (laughs) Title of our lesson, The Forgotten Man. Now, just let me give you a little qualifier as we begin this. No, I don't believe Jesus was born on December 25th. But I do believe this. There's a lot of people thinking about baby Jesus at this time of the year, about that whole sort of scene there and that kind of thing. We'll talk a little bit more about that in just a moment because that's really kind of a compilation that men have put together. (laughs) You don't actually read that particular scene in God's Word. But people's minds are there. So I just think it's an opportunity to take advantage of the moment and talk about some important things that are uh, revealed there for us. So, I'll pull this up. We're going to talk about Joseph, and Joseph is rarely mentioned. But he has a very important role, and he deserves investigation for us to take time and to take a look at what the New Testament says about him. So there's going to be three points this morning. Joseph, not the leading man. (laughs) You know, you've seen the Christmas plays, right? (laughs) Joseph, not the leading man, but Joseph plays his part. And Joseph, I believe, should receive an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. So as we kind of jump into this, let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen Family Feud? You know the show? So they always say this, that there's a panel of 100 people and that they ask them this question. I don't know where they get this, 100 people. They ask them this question, they give their answer, and then the contestants are supposed to try to guess what the panel said. So they were asked this question. Would you name one piece, one part of the nativity scene? Give your answer the top seven answers you know how it goes are on the board (laughs) number one answer baby Jesus okay we're together that's good they got that second the manger (laughs) third the wise men fourth Mary finally comes in fifth an angel sixth the sheep Seventh, the donkey. (laughs) You notice anybody missing? (laughs) Where's Joseph? They don't even guess him. (sighs) Do we feel a little bad for him? I can tell you this. I know I look way too young for this. (laughs) But back when I was a kid and first starting school, We used to still do Christmas plays. And you know, nobody really wanted to be Joseph. And you know why? (laughs) Because Joseph, you just stand there. (laughs) You don't say nothing. (laughs) You're just there. You're just... And so it's like, no, I don't want to be Joseph. I I want to talk. I want to be important in this thing. And so as we stop and think about this, I want you to think along those lines initially. That no, in the play, Joseph is not, he's not the leading man. And in fact, whenever you stop and you think about Joseph, if I were to say something like Bible, Joseph, where would your mind go? Probably, more than likely, you would go to the Old Testament and you would think about that Joseph. Because in the book of Genesis, you remember Joseph with the coat and many collars and that whole story? There's like 12 chapters that are dedicated surrounding his whole story and where he fits in. And how he kind of becomes the leading character. But you come to the New Testament and you talk about this Joseph. He gets a few verses in Matthew. He gets a few verses in Luke. He gets an honorable mention, kind of, so to speak, in John. And it's like, that's it. I want you to stop thinking about that for this moment. Here's Joseph, if you're familiar, in the Old Testament. He was an important figure, had a key role in the protection, ultimately, of God's people. Joseph is the one that invites his relatives, so to speak, to move down to Egypt. Remember that whole story? And so he's kind of the protector of God's children. Now you stop and think about Joseph in the New Testament. You know who he protects? He protects God. So I ask you, who do you think should get the most (laughs) prints. But it's not Joseph. And you have to stop and think, why is that? And what are we told about Joseph in the New Testament? So in Matthew's account, as we read it, and as we oftentimes talk about it, we say that this shows the lineage of Jesus. Because Matthew's account is written with a Jewish flair. And he's trying to show the Jews that this Jesus is of the right lineage. So he traces him from Abraham to David down to Joseph married to Mary. He's not the biological father. But Matthew is showing you can follow that lineage and it will lead to Jesus. And Joseph, actually we'll see him in a minute, he's the one that will name Jesus. That's what we read in Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. And Joseph is told to do that. And then it said he named him Jesus. In essence, what that's saying is, by him naming him according to their custom, he's accepting him as his own. The father had those rights. angel told him, you call him, and Joseph does. But now in Luke's genealogy, as you take a look at it, it traces Mary's bloodline. And goes all the way down through David and then comes to Mary but Mary is the mother but what is being said essentially is no matter which way you approach his genealogy you wind up that Jesus is a descendant of David and according to prophecy that's the way it's supposed to be but Joseph is there Mary talks. Others talk. But Joseph, he just doesn't say anything. So I think what's amazing is that as you read down through this story, Joseph comes to realize who he is. Anyone know something? We need to stop and think about how we might identify with Joseph. I'm going to read to you, first of all, from 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, verse 4, or 5, and then down in verse 11. Because as Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he's trying to explain to them because at Corinth they had all these people and everybody wanted to be the star of the show. Remember that as we studied that? And so Paul is kind of explaining to them that the church is like a body, and God has decided that within the body you occupy certain places, and God has assigned that to you. First Corinthians chapter twelve and verse four: there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Verse five: there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Verse eleven. But one and the same spirit works all things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. What does that just say? You've got a part in God's body, and God has decided which part you get. Yes okay? okay. you, you go with that? So now think about Joseph. We look at Joseph and we go, oh, poor Joseph. He doesn't get to talk. Just stand there, Joseph. (laughs) But you know what Joseph does? Joseph accepts his part. But watch it as it goes along. As we look at that nativity scene, And Joseph just stands there. We ought to ask ourselves, would I stand where Joseph stood? Because I can tell you once again, back when I was in grade school, you didn't want to stand there. (laughs) You didn't want to be Joseph. But now, as we come and we study this, we ought to ask ourselves, would I stand where Joseph stood? You know, there's something that we learn, hopefully, as we're growing up. And for some folks, and it happens at different times in life, at some point in life, you realize you're not the star of the show. <laughs> it can be very devastating. <laughs> but at some point, the world doesn't revolve around me See, when you're born into this world and you're a little baby, well, everything focuses on you. And then you get to be a couple years old and you kind of like that attention and then something happens. And you know what they do? They have a fit. I still want to be the star of the show. And then you grow a little bit more and then you go off to school and you begin to realize... You know, there's kids out here that have more skill, talent than I have. And that's kind of rocks your world, doesn't it? And then it's like, I'm losing more focus all the time. <laughs> but at some point along the way, we have to come to realize I'm not the star of the show. And there's other people out here that have talents and skills. That's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Spirit has decided who gets what talents, their abilities. The question is, will you accept the role that God has given you? And it's the same thing in life. You know, I've all... I hate hate to tell you this. Especially when you hear me singing here. (laughs) I've always thought, wouldn't it be great to be a singer? And do you know that there are some people that are just born with that voice? And it's amazing. And I look at that and I go, that ain't fair. (laughs) That's what I wanted. And see, in Corinth, you had people saying the same thing. That's what I wanted. So at some point in life, we come to understand other people other talents, other people with desires and wants and needs just like we have. And we have to learn to take them into consideration also. You know what's amazing about that? If you learn that, life actually gets better. That's when life gets better. Oh, We've all got a role. And now I can appreciate them. Hopefully, and they appreciate me. And we appreciate one another. And we learn to work together. That's what Paul was trying to do at (coughs) Corinth. So part of growing as an individual, part of growing as a Christian, is coming to that realization. So let me tell you what Jesus said about that. In Mark the 8th chapter, about verse 35, he said, If a man seeks to save his own life, he will lose it. But if he loses it for my sake, he'll find it. See what he just said? (laughs) You got to start to see yourself, you got to start to see others, you got to start to see the world from Jesus' perspective. Because if you stay in that world where you are the center, your universe is way too small. There's a whole big world out there and a whole bunch of other people. We talk about Abraham oftentimes, right? But in Genesis chapter two, or chapter 12 and about verse two, When God called Abraham, he told him he was going to bless him. But he was going to bless him so that he would become a blessing to others. You see that? It's no different today than it was back then. God calls. Will we answer the call? He will bless you if you answer that call. And he will bless you so that you can bless others. Not that so that you can become the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Acts 20. Paul makes a quote about what Jesus said. And he said, Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So in Romans 12, Paul said, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think but think soberly as each one has been given a measure of faith. See that? He's giving you a position based upon your abilities. He would use you according to those. But will you accept the position that He gives you? Joseph, when we look at this thing, well, he's just standing there. <laughs> so I ask, would you stand with Joseph? Would you stand where Joseph stood? We're not done. So Joseph plays his part. Now I'm going to read to you from the Gospel according to Matthew. Back to chapter 1 and verses 18 and 19, which we read just a few moments ago. But... Now, taking a look at this story as Matthew records it, and then later we'll look at Luke and the way he records it with Mary. In Matthew, the focus is really on Joseph. In Luke, the focus is really on Mary. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, was minded to put her away secretly. Let me ask you something. How many times have you ever read that? You just kind of breeze right on by. Don't really stop and think about And you certainly don't stop and think about Joseph. But this morning we kind of focused in there. So let me ask you, how do you see Joseph? Well, there's this fellow by the name of Joseph and it says that he was a just man and it says he finds out that the girl that he's betrothed to, we'll talk about that a little bit more, she going got to have a baby. But he's a just man. So let me tell you this. I think this is interesting because God is calling Joseph. He doesn't even realize it yet, but God's calling him. Now, when we stop and think about Abraham in the Old Testament, it says that God called Abraham and told him to get out of your country and from your relatives to a land that I'm going to show you. And we go, "Yeah, that's good." God called him. It's a little different here. Here's Joseph. And God is going to. Wants to use him. And you come into the story. He's betrothed to this young woman. And Joseph finds out. She's having a baby. Now let me explain something. Just a little bit. Most commentary. Scholars will talk about Mary. And they will say that she was Probably. And from Isaiah, the virgin, the young woman, shall have a child. And they will say, well, Mary, she must have been about 16, 17 years old. That would have been common in those days. So let me ask you, how old do you think Joseph was? He ain't so old. Now you think about what God's getting ready to call him to, And this is young. A young man. Probably older than her, but (laughs) young man. It's like God called Abraham. When you read Matthew's account, it's like God came to Joseph's door and he didn't just Joseph, are you in there? No, it's more like. Joseph, because the first thing it says, he finds out Mary is pregnant. What do you think Joseph is thinking? And how did he find out that she's pregnant? Because I can tell you this, talking about Jews and them being strict in this betrothed period, they are not living together. That ain't going to happen. And most of these girls ran around in these big flowing kind of robes. He can't tell. So how did he find out? This is speculation on my part, but I think it's reasonable. She told him, I'm going to have a baby. It's by the Holy Spirit. Right. (laughs) I love you, Mary. I believe he did. Based upon what's said. But I ain't buying what you're selling. And so the very next verse says what? He seeks to put her away. It's over, Mary. It's over. But... It also tells you something else. It says he seeks to do this quietly or secretly. You know what Deuteronomy, the 22nd chapter, would allow in this context? Because when you are betrothed, according to their tradition, it's just the same as if you are married. You're not living together yet. Because it says she's pregnant with child before they came together. But they are committed to one another. It is legally binding. And if a young woman is found to be with child. Or she's been with somebody else. And she's betrothed to another man. You know what he has a right to do? Not only does he have a right to put her away. He has a right to have her stoned. Deuteronomy 22nd chapter. But Joseph says he was a just man. And so he decides I've been hurt. But I'm not going to I'm not going to seek revenge. I'm going to try to do what's best for me and her in this situation. <sighs> but now, then, you come to the 20th verse. So, you see the scenario? This is where it is with Joseph. Now, verse 20. But while He thought about these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary for your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Joseph has already thought about all these things. And then the angel appears and says, Joseph, Mary, that you're thinking about putting away, That's true. She's going to have a child conceived of the Holy Spirit. I want to just pause right there for a second. Joseph's just a guy, right? He's a just man. And I'm thinking to myself, because a lot of times I try to visualize. And so, Mary, if she did, come to him and she tells him, I have a baby, but I haven't been with anybody. And it's of the Holy Spirit. And he's like, wait a minute. And so he decides to put her away. And then next, there's an angel that appears to him in a dream and tells him, what she told you is true. And then you wake up. What's your reaction? I don't know which story to believe now. (laughs) I'm having dreams and she's telling me things. Listen to verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. You know what's interesting, I think, as I read that? So the angel speaks to him. Doesn't say Joseph said anything, it just says what he does. Right? Now, if you read Luke's account, which is actually the more popular account, one that people normally read this time of year, there's an angel that comes to Mary. But when this angel comes to Mary, it's before she has ever conceived. Right? He doesn't come in the middle of the story like the angel has come in the middle of the story to Joseph. It comes from the beginning. And it's Gabriel. And Gabriel shows up and he says, do not be afraid. And then to kind of cut to the chase, he tells her, you're going to have a child. And she says, how can that be? I don't know a man. I've never been with a man. He says, it's going to be conceived of you of the Holy Spirit. And you shall bear this son and he will come to have a reign and to his kingdom, there will be no end. And then in verse 38, here's Mary's speaking part. She says, let it be done to me according to your word. That's how Mary responds. Let it be done to me according to your word. It's good, right? But when Joseph is told, he doesn't say anything. He just does it. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever heard that old adage? Actions speak louder than words. Do you know what Joseph said by his actions? Let it be done to me according to your word. Whatever role you have for me. I accept it. And so Joseph does. Now we don't have time to read it, but I'm going to tell you this too. We need to stop and think and recognize there's a child that's about to be born into this marriage and Joseph is not the biological father. But Joseph says, I accept it. I'll take it. I'll take this role you have given me. I'll do it. (coughs) And so he accepts. And we will see he will protect this child. And he'll raise this child. And he'll be a husband to Mary. And he'll provide for and protect both of them. And he will be a servant of God in doing all of this. And just shortly after this, turn the page, Matthew chapter 2. The wise men, were they coming to the story? <laughs> they show up in Jerusalem and they say, we're looking for the child that is born king of the Jews and when Herod hears that there's a king that has been born to the Jews he just about loses his mind where is he supposed to be born and he starts searching and then he tells these wise men you go worship him and then you come back and tell me where he is and he's not telling them that so that he can go worship he wants to know where he is so he can go kill him so, in Matthew, the second chapter, God once again to Joseph tells him, Take that child and his mother, and I want you to go to Egypt. I want you to stop thinking about that just well. This is not the day after he's born. He's a little bit old. And Joseph is a carpenter. We know that's right. So, he's working. I got to provide for, take care of this child and this woman. And now you're telling me to pack my bags, pull up my roots, disrupt my home, take my family and go to Egypt? Yeah. No, no, no. What I was thinking was things have been going pretty good down at the carpenter shop and getting some pretty good work here. I'm thinking about buying a little boat so on Sundays we can go to Galilee, sit out on the water, maybe have a (laughs) picnic. And God said, no, that's not you. That's what I want you to do okay so when am I coming back I'll let you know and he goes and he waits till he's told to come back and then when he comes back they go to Nazareth and that's where they settle in Joseph has accepted his role he knew he wasn't the lead character But he would do his part. So thirdly, best supporting act. Matthew 21, verse 24. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took him to his his wife. I think those words there, and in verse 25, Speak volumes about Joseph. He took Mary to be his wife. He has no relations with her till the child is born. He gives him the name Jesus, just as he was told to do. And whenever a father named a child, he was accepting him as his own. And Joseph protected. Mary's reputation. And even when he struggled with doubt, he was persuaded to believe what God said. And then he acted (coughs) on that word. He was strong when he could have been weak, he was gentle when he could have been harsh, he was thoughtful when he could have been hasty. He was trusting and overcame his doubts. He was temperate. He was even with his family when he could have indulged himself. Y'all can do whatever you want. This is what I'm going to do. If it were Father's Day, I'd be saying, men, can we do the same things? One other thing about Joseph, and I think this is amazing. When Jesus grew up and he started his ministry, there was a word that he oftentimes used to describe God, to help us to understand. Do you know what word he used? Father. What did Jesus see in Joseph? You know, oftentimes it said the way kids, the way children respond to God depends on what they see in their father. Because we teach them every day as we live in front of them. So we talk a little about Joseph. We say, oh, he was a carpenter. He worked hard, but he certainly wasn't the star of the show. But don't you think it'd be a compliment to a father if someone said, you know what? (laughs) You're just like Joseph. He was there. He stuck it out through thick and thin. He kept his child close and he kept Mary close. And as we think about this story, you have to say, you know, he was was merciful. When he was betrothed to Mary, that gave him rights over her. But he didn't exercise all the rights he had. He was was merciful when he was told this. And it kind of makes you wonder. We don't know. It's not been revealed to us. Was there a time in Joseph's life when somebody showed mercy to him? Makes you wonder, doesn't it? I do know this. When Jesus grew and he was in the midst of his ministry, he said, blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Jesus was merciful to lepers and demon-possessed people and tax collectors. And it makes you wonder, did he see that quality? Did he see that in Joseph? And as you stop and think about it, aren't some of Jesus' very best stories, his very best parables? Luke, the 15th chapter, the prodigal son goes off to a far country, spends his inheritance, and how does the father react when he comes home? He's merciful to him. The Good Samaritan, Luke, the 10th chapter, here is a good man that shows mercy towards someone that had been attacked and beaten and robbed and left alongside the road. And you know what? When we stop and think about it, Joseph in the New Testament, he really does have a magnificent name. Because we may first think of Joseph in the Old Testament, but whenever we do, We have to stop and think about his story too. And here he was. And he had all these brothers. And they were jealous of him. And what did they do? They took him. Threw him down in a pit. And then sold him to some slave traders. So he ends up down in Egypt. Then they go back and tell his father. That he's been killed by a wild animal. And breaks the father's heart. And then years later when Joseph has risen to a place of prominence in Egypt there's a famine back in the homeland and they have to come down to Egypt to buy grain. Eventually Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and they're terrified. <laughs> and what does Joseph do? He shows them mercy. Mercy. And he says, "Even though you intended it for harm, God intended it for good." You know what that saying? God had a plan all along. Joseph in the Old Testament went through some really tough times to get to the good times, but he played his role. Joseph in the New Testament, he went through some tough times but he played his role. And he knew his part. So when we think about Joseph, when our culture looks at that, and he doesn't even have a speaking part, we think, well, he's certainly not the star of the show. He's not the hero. And we look at the nativity scene, and we say, well, he's just standing there. So maybe God's asking this question. Could you stand where Joseph stood? Would you accept the part that God gives you? Joseph is kind of a forgotten man. There's actually a lot that is said about him there. And he's a role model to strive towards. I extend the invitation to any and all that are here this morning. You've never rendered obedience on the gospel of Christ. It was Jesus himself that said, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Can we help you in any way? You let us know while together we stand, while we sing.